I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. Today we're traveling to the center of Iberia. Iberia is Spain and Portugal, the big peninsula there, and the high plateau in the middle. Much of it is a region called Castile, and the capital of that region and the major city of Spain, Madrid. I have joining me a friend and fellow tour guide, Federico Garcia Barroso. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Rick. How are you today? Very good. Your name, Garcia Barroso. Yeah. Now, that's two names. In Spain, is it common to have the both names? How does that work? Yes, actually, that, that's the way, the way it is. And we, we keep both family names from our father and from our mother. And we can just place them in the order that we want, okay? Who chooses? Uh, both. <laughs> Daddy and mommy. <laughs> Daddy and mommy organized yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. So your name, Garcia Barroso, your yeah. mother and father's names were... Well, your mother's name would be... Barroso. But she would have case. two names also. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What was the other name? The other one is Perez. <laughs> Perez. Perez. So why did Barroso survive and Actually, Perez? survives. The first one is the one that survives. And that's chosen by just whatever one you like to have first. Exactly. So you cannot derive that yeah. was the mother's mother or anything like yeah. this. Now it's absolutely flexible. But in the old times, in the times of Franco, the priority was always focusing on the man. You ah, see, never so on a woman. The dictator Franco liked yeah. to have a macho, <laughs> male-dominated Maybe society. that was the reason, maybe. So it's sort of more modern and more equal to let the woman's name go first if you want or something yeah, like this. Absolutely. Okay, but you choose the father's name first, Garcia mm-hmm. Barroso. Mm-hmm. Actually, some people call me Federico Garcia Lorca, like the poet. <laughs> I have a friend named Maria Moreno Moreno. Really? Now, Moreno Moreno, what would that mean to you? <laughs> Moreno. She has two, uh, the, uh-huh. her mother and father had the same family name, exactly. basically. Yeah. <laughs> Maria Ma- Moreno Moreno. Okay, well, enough of this name stuff. Let's talk about Madrid. I introduced the segment uh, talking about Castile. Do I have it right? Is Madrid the main city of Castile, and Castile would be the dominant uh, region in the center of Spain? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the central plateau. Castile. What does that mean? The land of castles. The land of castles, literally. Mm, Castilla. Tierra de Castillos, the land of castles. You yeah. see a lot of castles when you travel Many, around. Many. Really, the, yeah. on the cover of guidebooks, you see the incredible castles of La Mancha. Everywhere, everywhere. And you know something? The ones that have a cycle tower, they were Christians. And the ones that have a square tower, they were Muslims. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Different architectural techniques or, or, or yeah. styles that they had in those days. But that was a sign, a way to see if the fortress was belonging to the Christian Empire or to the Islamic. Because I understand power. in the castle design, uh, a medieval European innovation would be a round castle because you can't chop off the corner enabling <laughs> it to fall down. You can't um, corrupt the uh, structure of the castle by mm-hmm. knocking off the corner mm-hmm. if it's round. Mm-hmm. But you can, at a distance, tell if it's a Christian or a Moorish castle. Absolutely. You can even see in some places, even the name, the name of the villages or the small towns where you find these castles is always related about a Moorish legacy or a Christian heritage. And you can see that. And as soon as you see the castle and you see the name of a village, you immediately know what's going on there. What's an example? For example, Alcalá de Henares is a beautiful and remarkable town where Cervantes, the writer of Don Quixote, was born. This is a nice place nearby Madrid. It's about 25 minutes driving time. And there we find the castle and the wall that is really, really Islamic. But now, how did you know that from the name? Al-Kala. Ah, if you see Al, that's a, mm-hmm. an Arabic um, In, preposition root, or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, an Alcazar, that means... 
Arabian Fortress. Arabian, so there's a town called a fortified of, of Arabian oh, fortification. Okay. And just for people who need a little brush up on their basic Spanish history, we should remember that the Muslim Moors swept in from Africa, seven mm-hmm. eleven, mm-hmm. and within a short period of time, they controlled all of Spain and Portugal. They even went into France, yep. and for centuries, Europe was trying to push those Muslim Moors back into Africa. Exactly. And there's a huge Christian campaign, uh, the Reconquista, to exactly. take back Iberia and and rechristianize it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, if you ask a European what happened in 1492, mm-hmm. they won't think of Columbus sailing the ocean <laughs> view. What happened for you in 1492? <laughs> well, in 1492, we are witness of the unification of Spain. That's the first time in our history that we talk about Spain as a united nation uh, in many ways, politically, socially, economically, historically. But also, that was the beginning of an age of intolerance. In many ways. Okay, but 1492 marked the year they expelled the Muslims totally. and the Moors back away from their last castle in Granada. Exactly. Back into Morocco. Exactly. So 1492, oh, mm-hmm. finally got those Moors out of Europe. Exactly. Now, now, today, interestingly enough, also. you have a lot of Moorish, a lot of African Muslim people coming into mm-hmm. Spain, actually being welcomed into Spain. Yeah. There's assimilation. Mm-hmm. My understanding is... In the European Union, there's a lot of different uh, administrative concerns, and one of them is yeah. Islamic affairs or Muslim affairs in Europe. Uh-huh. Is Granada a leading city for the administration of Muslim concerns in the European Union? Yes, yes. In Granada, and also let me also tell you that in Madrid, we find nowadays the biggest mosque in, in Spain. So this is a big issue in Spain. There's a it major part of your society I is Islamic. really consider that they are, I call them the biggest minority in Spain, yeah. Roughly what percent of Spain is Muslim? Well, we can say that maybe at least, at least a, a million and a half people approximately. A, a million and a half people. I really think most yeah. of them are located in central and southern Spain. But uh, I think approximately we are talking about that. Uh, and it's growing. People. It's growing. Yeah, yeah. I was in Granada recently and there is a big new mosque uh-huh. paid for by the, uh, I believe, the uh, United Arab Emirates and some yeah, money from the You're right. The, the Gulf. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A lot of money came, a beautiful new mosque in a uh-huh. very central part of the city. Yeah. And there was a little bit of a controversy. They wanted to have an amplified call to prayer five times a day. <laughs> and the people said, well, you can have your mosque and we're all in, we're, we're happy to have you here and everything, but you cannot amplify the call to prayer. So five times a day, a man climbs to the top of the roof yeah. and maybe to the minaret and mm-hmm. he yells at the top of his <laughs> lung the call to prayer I suppose like they did in the Middle Ages in the same way exactly in the same way no it is it is something something new in Spain you know it, it, we can talk about this and many more things and, and, and nowadays I, th- I really think that the role of the Spanish government and the president uh, Zapatero is extremely important to consider about all these things he's from my side, I really think he's, he's doing a, a very, very good job about all these things. In, integration policies, you know, with immigrants and many more things in Spain that are changing in many ways. So this is nothing new. I mean, we were talking about the Reconquista and the 700-year struggle between Islam and Christendom using Spain as a battleground, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, the Europeans... Santiago de Compostela was sort of a rallying cry for the Christian forces against the Muslims in the Middle Ages. Exactly. Tell me about that. I can tell you, I can tell you several things about that. I can tell you, it depends. It depends about uh, some people have uh, faith and, and they obviously believe and I obviously respect that, all these stories. But if we, if we talk about history, we have to admit, we have to assume nowadays that in those days in Spain, the Spanish legacy was absolutely spectacular. Cities like Cordoba, Granada, Seville, 
And in those days, northern Spain and Portugal, the Christian kingdoms, they were quite, quite ignorant in many, many fields that the Arabs were experts, architecture, science, music, mathematics, astronomy, whatever. The thing is that St. James, St. James of Compostela, Santiago de Compostela. So Santiago means St. James. Exactly. Santiago in same word, Santiago, is St. James. And, you know, we, we know that Santiago was the one that was commissioned to evangelize Spain, but we have no historic proof to tell us that physically St. James was in Spain. So the, the birth of these Gothic cathedrals in Spain and the way of St. James is just a kind of answer to the Islamic power in Spain, how to materialize faith, how to make... Christianity tangible. Ah, so the Muslims had their strong faith and you wanted to make it tangible for Christians. But I understand St. James was part of the the excuse to get Europeans excited about coming down to to Spain to fight the Muslims oh, was yes. to was to make the story that St. James was buried in Santiago mm-hmm. and it was controlled by the Muslims. Mm-hmm. Therefore people in Germany and France could send their their boys down there to, to, to free the tomb of St. James from the Muslims. Of course. So that was the excuse for this big battle between Christians and Muslims. That's the word. It's so poignant excuse, today. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. It's so poignant today. We find that as we travel through Spain, these echoes of these struggles between East and West and Christendom and mm-hmm. Islam. Mm-hmm. I'm talking with Federico Garcia Barroso, and we're talking about Spain. You live in Madrid. That's my city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Madrid is the modern capital of Spain, but Mm -hmm. not the historic capital of Spain. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me about the... uh, Toledo was the original capital of Spain, wasn't it? What happened? Okay. Toledo, by the way, it was used as a capital. (laughs) It was a kind of perpetual use of Toledo as a capital, although it was not really named, never as a real capital, but it was definitely the, the place where the first monarchs settled down. The kings and the, and the church. The exactly. The, church. This, the Spanish monarchy and the Spanish church, the archbishop and the Spanish inquisition also. And uh, Toledo, is a, Toledo is, is a wonderful place. It's actually um, now we're driving time from Madrid and there you find how, and this is, we, we should consider these things nowadays, what I'm going to say now, that how uh, the three cultures, Jews, Muslims and Christians, they coexisted in perfect harmony, you know, 500 years ago. And nowadays we can see, we can see the legacy of, of all those uh, civilizations all together in the same city, city in those days, you know. Today we arrive and we see a small and picturesque town, but it was considered a very cosmopolitan city in those days. Let me also tell you, Rick, that uh, Toledo is a place where it was uh, created the first European university when we talk about translators, interpreters. Hmm? Now, you said in 1492 that was the end of tolerance? That was the beginning of... Exactly, that was the, the end beginning of, of intolerance, yeah. meaning exactly. Christians, they took over the uh, peninsula, and now um, bad mm. news for the Jews and the, and the Muslims. Exactly, they were expelled. That was uh, Isabella and Ferdinand, they decided to do. And I honestly think nowadays that it was a mistake. They expelled the Moors to northern Africa, and also the Jews, all the different guilds of Jews. That A lot were, of the Jews, I think, went up to Amsterdam and, and different exactly. more welcoming places at Much that more. difficult time. <laughs> so people got to roll with the punches as different uh, bits of intolerance come and go around European history. Madrid's the modern capital of Spain. Now, Toledo was built within the tight bend in the river, so natural fortifications, but in modern mm-hmm. times, it just it constricted it. So they, I think they just said, well, we've got to start it with a new modern city. And today, you feel the energy of the success mm-hmm. of Spain's economy when you are in Madrid. I'm speaking with Federico Garcia Barroso. 
And Federico lives in Madrid, and today we're, we're talking about Madrid, we're talking about Castile, the central province, and we're talking about Spain in general. Our phone number, 877-333-RICK, and you can email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com. Federico, when you talk about Castile, is that a state or a province, or what do you say? Castile is one one of the um, 17 self-governing communities in, in Spain. If we talk about political geography, but if we talk about physical geography, Castile actually is just the central plateau of Spain. So really it's the central high plateau of Spain exactly. and the big city, the sprawling city. How many million people in Madrid now? In Madrid, if we talk about the city, there are approximately close to 4 million inhabitants in Madrid city and 5 million in total if we talk about the province, the whole state of Madrid. And it's a hub of a wonderful transportation system now with this new Ave train. And Ave's been around for 20 years or so, but every year they open a new length of it. Just last year we have the, mm-hmm. the link to Toledo now. Exactly. How fast to yeah. Toledo? Well, actually, now you can visit Toledo in less than half an hour. Less than half an hour. 20 or 25 minutes, if I am not wrong, yeah. That's great. Which is fantastic. We have some people calling us on the line. Remember, our phone number is 877-333-RICK. Let's talk with Sarah in Chicago. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Rick. How are you? Great. Thanks for your call. Good. Thanks for taking it. Yeah. Do you have a question or comment for Federico? You know, I do. My husband and I traveled to Spain and France for our honeymoon last year, and while we were in Spain, we stayed in a wonderful parador in Toledo, and we were staying there just for a recommendation of a friend, and I wanted to get a little bit of information um, from you and Federico about the parador system in Spain, and is this something that they have in other countries in Europe as well, or is it just something that Spain does? Hello, Sarah. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Fine. Okay, let me, let me tell you something about the paradores. The paradores, paradores is something quite specific from Spain, this state in, in Spain. And you have the same choice in Portugal, but they are called posadas. Okay. okay. And most of these um, state hotels, they are really, uh, they are historical buildings and the quality of the service is absolutely, absolutely the best, the best. Mm-hmm. And the prices are quite reasonable. Something that you can do also nowadays when you you want to get some information, is that there are some coupons uh, that are valid for any Parador in Spain. So you just go with those coupons of those uh, tickets, you see, and you can use it at any Parador in Spain. And even sometimes in Portugal, in the Posadas, they have the same uh, policy, you know. But basically, okay. these are these are historic buildings that the government, I think, has decided they got to earn their keep doing something. Mm-hmm. So rather than let them just become rotten, they turn them into fancy hotels. Exactly. And many of these have incredible history and great original art in, exactly. in magnificent settings. Uh, you stayed in the one in Toledo? We did, yes. And that was a good view, isn't it? It was absolutely gorgeous. The um, view from our hotel was overlooking the whole city. That's the mm. most famous view of Toledo, I think, across That's the true. gorge. Mm. You pay a... Uh, a reasonable, it's it's a kind of a splurge, but I think most people consider a, a Parador a good value. Would you say so, Federico? Absolutely. Sarah, did you stay in any other Paradors or just that one? No, that was the only one. Like I said, we just got that one through a recommendation from a friend, and the rest of the time we were in Spain, we just stayed in, you know, regular hotels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All over Spain, you've got historic buildings. If you want to have a memorable accommodation experience, Paradors are a great idea, and as Federico said, in Portugal, they're called Pusadas. Mm-hmm. I think um, probably cost $150 a night or something like something this. Something like that. In that, in that it was category. something like that, but, you know, we had breakfast every day, we had dinner there every night, and the food was fantastic as well. So that's we really great. enjoyed ourselves. That's true. The food, that's one of the main things of the Paradores. They really give you the best food, local food, uh, in every place. If you go to the Parador of La Mancha in the land of Don Quixote, they will give you the real food of that area of Spain mm-hmm. and, and also, of course, in any other region in Spain. 
And as a budget traveler, I like to drop into a Parador and eat there, but don't sleep there. And you can enjoy the same kind of uh, quality, <laughs> and you can true. sleep down the street in what I call a poor man's Parador. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a good true. idea. <laughs> there are some there are some historic buildings that don't have the blessing of the government, you know, and they don't have the mystique or the uh, uh-huh. the, the fanciness, and they have to have more of a competitive price, I think. So you can actually go in and you can hang out in the Parador's. You can mm-hmm. tour the Parador's almost. They're, I, I, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, some of them are historic, and I think by law they have to let people wander around because they're part of the national heritage. Of course, they are a monument, so you are absolutely welcome to, to visit the place. Yeah, You don't need to be hosted there. But mm-hmm. if you want to sleep in a castle or a famous old building, the Parador is a good place to check. And there's good guidebooks and listings on the Paradors of Spain. Sarah, thanks for your call. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. Have a good day, Rick. Bye now. Bye. Bye. And Brian in Orlando, Florida. Brian, how are you doing? Good, Rick. How are you? Great. Thanks for your call. Do you have any uh, comments or questions for Federico? I do. How are you doing, for Federico? Fine. And you, Brian? Good, good. I'm I'm planning a one week trip uh, to Spain and want to experience the the real culture. And aside from what I read over over here, the the music, the bullfights, the beaches, I'm looking to experience the everyday life in Spain. And uh, one of the things, sort of like uh, maybe helping out working on a vineyard or an olive grove one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good choice. Why not? It's not. It's actually <laughs> that's really a back door, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, there are some some options. You have the several options. Uh, my suggestion, my suggestion is you should contact. Well, uh, check the website of the tourism of Spain, and there are some places uh, where they basically the main common source that they have is wine and and oil. You see, olive oil. Uh, I'm just thinking now about Jaén, for example, any tourist information office in Jaén and all these places. They will definitely provide you a list of what we call in Spanish cooperativas. Mm-hmm. Jaén, I'm sorry, what is Jaén? Jaén is actually nearby Córdoba and Granada. It's, okay. uh, and it's, can you spell that for us? Yes, of course. It's J-A-E-N. Jaén. It's okay. just an example because I know that in that province there are many, many olive trees and many vine yards also. Basically in Andalusia, in Castile. Andalusia, I mean southern Spain. Castile, the central Spain, and also some regions, some areas in Catalonia, you see. Okay. So is it realistic for a tourist speaking English to mm-hmm. be able to roll up his sleeves, put his camera away, and actually work in a farm? Absolutely. There are many foreigners that they do. Well, many. There are some foreigners that they do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds great. Yeah. Let's think of some other ways. I, I just love this idea of getting into the everyday life. And, you know, you've got one week, you're an American, you're blitzing in, you're going to see some famous churches and museums, and everybody wants to get off the beaten path. But there are some ways to really do it. One of my favorites is to eat with the locals in the bars when they have their tapas. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the famous tourist areas for tapas, but also you can just go into any neighborhood and find the local tapas bars. Any. Any advice on that, Federico? Of course. It's, it's, it's the best, the best way to enjoy So that's eating ugly things on toothpicks and washing it down with little beers. (laughs) Exactly. I think I can handle that. And then it's a movable feast. So you have your shrimp here, and then you go down the street and you have your pig's ears. Literally, you're eating... What's the name of pig's ears? We just call it oreja. 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 What does that mean? Ear. Ear. So but we oh, immediately assume that it's a pig's ear. A pig's ear. So they'll, and how do, they, how do they cook the pig's ears? They cut it in small pieces and they just fry these pieces. And sometimes they put a little bit of garlic and, and oh. you know, it's, it's weird, but it's delicious. Ah, it's the cartilage. I love it. It's crunchy. <laughs> and then you go down the street and you have your uh, cold soup and mm-hmm. vegetable Gazpacho. soup. Gazpacho. Gazpacho is one of the best things to avoid mm. uh, heat in summertime in Spain. And caracoles. 
Caracoles. I love it in the, on the windows when they say mm -hmm. caracoles hoy. Hoy. <laughs> like What does that mean? Fresh. Fresh today. Fresh today. It's know? actually, it's so funny. When I was in some <laughs> little town and, it, and after the rain mm -hmm. in my town, the slugs mm -hmm. come out. And after the rain in Spain, mm -hmm. the snails come out. Yeah. And you're likely to see caracoles hoy yeah. after a rainstorm. <laughs> exactly. And the, literally the guy who runs the bar, he just picked up a bunch of snails and yeah. he's cooked them up and <laughs> bon appetito. Are, yeah. bo, bon, how do you say in, in Espanol? Buen appetito. Buen appetito. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Brian, any other ideas there, questions? No, I'm, I'm definitely going to look into that and, and I'm really looking forward to my trip and I really want to do the back door, so um, I really appreciate the advice. Good luck, and I'll Good remind luck, you, Ryan. any touristy place, you can still get, you can still do untouristy things. You can go into the marketplaces. Mm -hmm. In Spain, right. I, I was charmed, um, Federico, in Spain, the libraries have little branches in the marketplaces. Uh, the mm -hmm. government wants people to read books or something like this. Yes, yes. I, mean, I, I, I saw that in uh, Segovia, I think, or Salamanca. It's mm -hmm. fascinating. Little, little spices of the culture. Yes, it is, exactly. And some local people, they really enjoy to do that, yeah. Uh -huh. Go into the marketplaces, eat the pickles. Eat the pickles, and yeah. the, Tell me about the banderillo. <laughs> banderilla. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, the banderilla. <laughs> banderilla. Actually, I don't even know how to translate that word in English, well, banderilla. It's the, it's the spike you put in the bowl. Exactly. With all the, all the bangles on it and the decorations, exactly. and it's this horrible sort of warm-up when they when they wound the bowl and bleed him a little bit. Exactly. But you go into the market, and they uh -huh. they love their pickles. Yes. And we, they put them on a skewer. Exactly. And they put the olives and the pepper and these little onions. And it is something quite, quite typical, especially in central Spain. You can find it everywhere, in every bar. It is, it is actually a tradition. Whenever you go into a bar, uh, I mean in Spanish, a bar means a place where you can drink and you can eat. And actually it's a local tradition to give you also a small appetizer of these banderillas or squid rings or whatever, you know, but at least something to eat with your wine or so your you, beer. So you order a glass of wine and you get a little morsel for free. And that's, that's actually what we're, that's a real Spanish bar. That's a good bar. And a yeah. touristy bar, they won't do that or they'll charge you for it. But in a real classic exactly. bar, you get a light let meal me, with each drink. Let me tell you something, Rick. It, it's, I, I'm so sure about what I tell you that even if I, if I go for the first time to any bar with my friends or with my family and it's a local bar and they don't give us that small portion, that appetizer, we, we, it's, it's actually, I can say that it's a little bit offensive for the client. What honestly, what kind of a bar is this? You yeah, just what give kind me of a beer with no banderillo? <laughs> exactly, no squid rings, no exactly. caracoles. Oi, nothing. No. <laughs> Brian, I think you've got a world of opportunities to get off the beaten path. So, see the museums, see the churches, but absolutely get into the neighborhoods, get into the markets, and connect with the people. All right, good luck. Good luck, Brian. All right, thank you so much, Nancy in Davis, California. Hi, Nancy, thanks for the call. Hi, Rick. Hi, Federico. Nice to Hi. talk with you. Yeah, got any ideas for us on Spanish travel? Well, I'm working on a trip right now to Spain, an art adventure, as I like to call it. And one of the places that I'm planning to go is the town of Talavera de la Reina. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing a lot of research. Um, I, I'm limited in my foreign language. I know some French and a little Italian, and my Spanish is probably, you know, third in um, my comprehension. So I'm just wondering if you might be able to give me some pointers about this uh, ceramics town. It's, that's why I'd like to go there, because of their history of ceramics production. It's a special interest of mine. What is the name of the town, please? Talavera de la Reina. Exactly. And where is that? Talavera from the Queen. Talavera de la Reina. I heard it's in the map. It's, it's a, a town two located hours in the zone. province of Toledo. Yeah, it's not far from Toledo. Mm -hmm. two, two hours west of Madrid by train, mm -hmm. it looks mm -hmm. like. Yes. Exactly. Actually, it's a bigger town than Toledo. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Nancy, I have good news for you, you know, because Rick doesn't know this, but I can tell you. One of my best friends, she lives in Talavera de la Arena, uh -huh. and she's actually related about all this ceramic, you know, which is beautiful ceramic, as you know. So I've got here your email, and personally, I will, I will contact you to tell oh. you something about this place and this ceramic, because my friend, Elena, she lives there, and, and she's quite in, in all these things of uh, Talavera and this beautiful ceramic. So... Good news. I will wow. personally contact you. Nancy, that's quite a treat. That's a jackpot. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, let's talk yeah. in, for the general value of all of our listeners now about these ceramics. I haven't heard of this town for ceramics. Mm. If you want the uh, in, insight into the handicraft or this art form, yeah. well, where do you go in Spain and, and what do you do? Talavera de la Reina. Well, I can tell you that these um, ceramic, all these uh, handicrafts, if you see them, they are slightly similar to the ones that we find in Portugal, you know. And they are quite primitive, but very, very picturesque, mm. eh? with yellow and blue colors. Mm -hmm. And it is something quite specific from that town, Talavera. Needless to say that you can go to Toledo, of, and of course you can go to Madrid City, and you will find some places where you can get these pieces, you know, but the real place is Talavera. It's something quite exclusively from this town. It's a beautiful right. and very Talavera, picturesque. Talavera, T-A-L-A-V-E-R-A. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Great, Nancy. Well, you'll be getting a, an email here from Federico. Oh, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, Thank right. you so much. Have You're a good time Nancy. on your trip. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye now. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're traveling in Spain today thanks to the help of a friend and fellow tour guide, Federico Garcia Barroso. Federico, uh, we're talking about Madrid, and when we think about Madrid, I am just always amazed at the life in the streets. I mean, you're out at 10 o'clock at night, and it's like a festival. What's going on? It's just 10 o'clock on a Thursday. Uh, if people want to immerse themselves in this river of Spain, what advice would you have? To enjoy nightlife. This is, uh, this is something, something quite specific from Spain. That's true, Rick. I've been traveling around Europe for many years, and I tried to find something similar in similar countries like Italy or Greece or even Portugal and it's not easy to find you know I don't I honestly I don't really know why uh, we enjoy <laughs> nightlife so so much it is uh, one of the best things of my country to offer to the visitor the nightlife you always find restaurants bars cafes even some shops that they close very, very, very late. Now, is this related to the siesta? You're taking oh, a nap so. in the afternoon, so you're going to have your business day extended later. I it's think so. hot. People are inside. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's cool. Everybody's out. Yes, exactly. That's the main reason. We have a late breakfast, late lunch, late dinner. It's a matter of sun time. You know, I was reading the average Spaniard sleeps mm -hmm. 40 minutes less than the average European. That's true. Have yeah. you heard that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you manage with less sleep? <laughs> I don't know what we do. It's just more fun <laughs> to be out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but it is, uh, it is, you know something, it's even maybe we, people that don't know Spain, they just think that this is something exclusively for young people. But no, I can find older people and even some children oh, yeah. in this street. That's the yeah. beautiful thing about Europe. It's a, yeah. a multi-generational fiesta. Exactly. Salamanca has the greatest square, I think, in Spain. Mm, absolutely. A beautiful square, the Plaza, Plaza Mayor. Plaza Mayor, exactly. And everybody is circling the square. And historically, mm -hmm. the men circle clockwise mm -hmm. and the women circle counterclockwise. <laughs> and it's a big show. And everybody's yeah. <laughs> going around and checking everybody. And I was there and I noticed the whole class of 19... 42 was there. I mean, and, and mm -hmm. I mean, people who survived the Civil War. Yeah. And they're shorter people. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when you look at some older person, yeah. invariably, they're like, 
a foot and a half shorter yeah. than the younger people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> why is that? I don't know. Really. I mean, it must be from the, the, the poverty of the Civil War age or yes, something like yes, that. Yes, of course. That's, that's what we think, you know. Maybe because of that, you know, difficult, difficult years, you know, difficult years for all that generation after the war, you see. And, uh, and of course, of course, they have some problems, economical and, uh, problems. And maybe, maybe that's the reason, because that's true. That's true. We can see that people that are really yeah. short. That's the true. Dutch have the same thing. I mean, the Dutch yeah. had the terrible Nazi occupation yeah. in Amsterdam and so mm-hmm. on. And, and there's a whole generation of people who went through their growth years yeah. under Nazi occupation, and they're shorter than everybody else. Yeah. But you see that, and it's a reminder of the, uh, of the difficult and difficult the complex years. and the rich yeah. history that Spain has gone through in the lifetime of a lot of the people you meet on the streets. And when you go out and do that paseo, mm-hmm. you'll meet the young singles and you'll meet the old grannies and the grandpas. Yeah. And people are literally dancing in the streets. <laughs> I'm true. Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're exploring Spain with my friend and fellow tour guide, Federico Garcia Barosa. Thank you very much. Rick Steves teaches smart travel to Spain, Portugal, and beyond. On Rick's website, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To prepare for your next European adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.